Hey there, listeners. I'm Catherine Minshew, CEO and founder of The Muse. Now, I'm not the voice you usually hear on What Next TBD, but I'm here to tell you about a brand new podcast I host. It's called Let's Workflow It, and it's produced by ServiceNow in partnership with Slate Studios. On Let's Workflow It, we're pulling back the curtain on how businesses today are driving transformation and growth and finally putting clunky, outdated workplace systems to rest. The show you're about to hear is our premiere episode. It features Derek Mitchelson, who heads up digital and security systems for Scotland's national health system. And Derek has an enormous challenge, figuring out how to vaccinate an entire country. You'll hear how Derek and his team take on what is arguably the greatest workflow challenge of our time, vaccine management. If you like what you hear, you can find Let's Workflow It on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We hope you enjoy. This paid podcast is produced by Slate Studios and ServiceNow. All uses of trademarks or brands are not meant to convey sponsorship or affiliation of this podcast. I think you do lead differently in a crisis. You optimize risk rather than probably mitigating risk. Crisis management helps you deliver things in a different way. Hey, everybody. From ServiceNow, this is Let's Workflow It, a podcast about the workflow revolution. I'm Catherine Minshew, founder and CEO of The Muse. And I'm Alan Marks, Chief Marketing Officer of ServiceNow. In every episode, we're going to pull back the curtain on how businesses today are driving transformation and growth with digital workflows. It's obvious that everything about the way we work is changing, but we're noticing some really interesting contrasts. For example, we live in an age when so much arrives at the press of a button. But at work, most of us are still putting up with clunky, outdated systems. Turns out, businesses are hungry to solve this problem. So it got us thinking, who are the organizations out there who are bold enough to embrace this change? It's time to hear from them. Let's workflow it. Let's workflow it. Hey, Alan, it's great to talk to you today. Hey, Catherine, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm really excited for our show. You know, we have so many fascinating topics that we're covering this season, from digital music to the transformation of the automotive industry. But today, we get to dig into something that I think is on everyone's minds, which is vaccines. We're going to talk today with Derek Mitchelson. He heads up digital and security services for the National Health Service Scotland. In other words, he is responsible for an entire country and... Um, in the age of COVID, I think that's a, a pretty big thing. Oh, no question, Catherine. And here at ServiceNow, we see COVID and vaccination management as the greatest workflow challenge of our time. And uh, it's going to be great to hear from Derek today about how Scotland's tackling the problem. A little bit later, we'll hear from ServiceNow CEO Bill McDermott, a segment we call Dream Big with Bill. But first, uh, let's get started. I'm so pleased to welcome Derek Mitchelson. Uh, Derek, welcome to Let's Workflow It. Thank you very much. Absolutely delighted to be here. Looking forward to it. Well, we are really excited to dive in. Just a um, very, very big picture. What is NHS Scotland responsible for in general? Yes. So NHS Scotland is the organisation that is tasked with providing healthcare. We tend to involved in managing lots of the big national infrastructure programmes that go on and obviously securing them and making sure that they're, uh, they're delivered in a, a safe, ethical and secure way for the citizens of Scotland. If I could ask just, you know, for you to go back to when you first learned about COVID, what went through your mind? 
Yeah, like everyone else, I learned about COVID from, uh, probably from, well, it was before we saw it on the news. Internally, we were starting to to see intelligence around uh, a SARS-like virus. But of course, there'd been a few of these that were, uh, that had been similar, you know, similar before, I guess, uh, avian bird flu being one. But uh, we were just kind of watching these things. We had, in the NHS in Scotland, we very much had a response plan that, uh, that we should be able to operate on the back of having a pandemic like uh, like we thought uh, uh, bird flu potentially was going to be or SARS was actually going to be at the time. So, uh, you know, I then started seeing things on the news where it was it was pretty apparent that, uh, that this was something that was uh, substantially bigger. And then it, it moved very quickly from there. It, it moved at such a pace, uh, the pandemic, that uh, we had to react digitally at the same pace, if, if not quicker, to try and be on the front foot. So that was very much what the challenge was. So Derek, you are at the center of the role technology plays in healthcare. And I know you've been behind two key efforts, contact tracing and vaccine management. Can you tell us more about you know, how you thought about those efforts and how you got them off the ground? Yeah, the contact tracing was, was very much what the World Health Organization uh, laid out contact tracing was was exactly what they were what they were suggesting that you should do. Uh, part of the key to the contact tracing is not just being able to contact trace, but it's being able to actually uh, make sense of the data, what the data and intelligence is actually telling you. And a big part of what we were trying to do with contact tracing was to uh, push all that data into data science platforms so we could do predictive analytics, look at trends, look at themes, look at hotspots, etc and provide that data back to Scottish government so that uh, Scottish government could see where we're getting on top of the of the virus or or where we're not. So, yeah, in the early days, a lot of this was trying to sell this back to Scottish government, saying this is the right way of doing it. It's, uh, it's very much a healthcare response, but even still, we had to give them a level of confidence that uh, going down this route was the right way to do it. Why is data so critical to delivering healthcare at this scale? Uh, I look on health data as the crown jewels. That's the most important data we've got in Scotland. The Community uh, Health Index, or CHI, as we call it, that's a unique record that uh, you get when you're born in Scotland. And every piece of medical information sits off the back of that. So so in essence, we've got... uh, petabytes of data and it will all link back to this CHI identifier that you get at birth that means we can understand what's happening. It's absolutely critical to have all that data but it's even bigger than that Alan because we need to understand are there risks around certain locations, have we got hotspots in locations so uh, the data is much bigger than even I would say health data, it's uh, it's location data, transport data etc as well, it's telling you, it's telling you quite a lot. It just shows what a daunting challenge you were facing and your team was facing. I know there are estimates that nearly half of the Scottish population, we're talking several million people, are classified as vulnerable. And so had you ever faced such a daunting task as this? And I know, uh, Scotland, you've created the bold goal of vaccinating that group within 12 weeks. I think everyone does look forward to uh, what's going to break the cycle. Contact tracing can can break cycles, but uh, the next big challenge was how do we start to then build vaccination systems so that we can schedule people at Scotland at bulk. And uh, that system has been scheduling appointments since the, the 22nd of February. It, we, we schedule about 22,500 appointments on average per day on that platform since it's gone live. The guidance very much has has got the population separated into what they call cohorts with the most uh, the most vulnerable at their priority, and then we go down from their decrements till we get down to uh, 
17, 18 year olds. So uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think we have ever seen uh, an operation quite as complex and run it as fast a pace as this. And this is very much what the challenge is. It's trying to deliver this at, uh, at the right level. And so, Derek, the intricacy of all of this seems so connected to vaccine supply. How do you manage both the government's expectations and the public's expectations? Uh, the messaging very much from Scottish Government is we want to vaccinate as quickly as we can. I say we get out of lockdown. Everyone wants to get vaccinated, but uh, at times we are we're, we're forward planning about 12 weeks, saying where we're going to be with vaccine supply at that point and how do we then schedule you know, the analogy is you book your plane ticket, but uh, I think the, the airlines nearly always know what planes they've got flying, what capacity they've got in the plane. <laughs> you know, we're, we're dependent on a third party to actually bring this uh, bring this supply and get our share of the UK supply and then and then start to ship it around Scotland. It's, uh, it's very complex. Well, congratulations on such extraordinary effort and, and great progress. And you've touched on how quickly you had to work to architect the technology and scale it. Can you tell us a little more about the role that the ServiceNow and the Now platform have played in this? Yeah, absolutely. So it was obvious for us that given the success of the contact tracing, that it made sense to put the vaccinations in the same Now platform. We had the integration with the data science platform and uh, we had integration with the contact tracing stuff as well. The The slight challenge with the, the vaccinations was that we didn't have an awful lot of expertise around scheduling. So it's fair to say we architected this as much as we could out the box using the walk-up appointment type functionality within ServiceNow. And we heavily relied on the ServiceNow engineering teams, uh, you know, that we've worked with teams across in the UK, in the Americas, India as well, to really bend as we needed to the platform in order to make this happen. And we got some last minute uh, requirement changes that came out that really forced us to have a look at uh, how we were able to use the Now platform. And uh, it's uh, ended up being quite different to how we started off envisaging we would use it. So uh, we've ended up having to create, I think, quite a dynamic and flexible system definitely delivering uh, in much more than we thought we'd be doing at the start of the program, it's fair to say. You know, here in the U.S., where the efforts are state by state and it feels incredibly complicated, even in a country like Scotland, where you've got a national health system, just hearing you talk about the complexities of that, it just helps underscore what a challenge this is for every country and every government agency around the world to do this quickly and make sure their citizens are healthy and safe. In many ways, the challenges we've got in Scotland is we've got a population of four to five million that we're trying to vaccinate. There's a lot of that population sits across the the central areas in Scotland, but uh, when you go into the more rural, the highland areas up in the north of Scotland, at uh, lots of distances and uh, very little percentage of the population that sits in there. So the model's been, you know, build them big within the central belt so we can push lots of people into these, what we call the mass vaccination centres, and then in the outlying areas, they've gone very much with a local type area whereby they've had a clinic open for one day, then a clinic in the next town or village open. The next day, some have had clinics in the mornings only. So uh, it's that sort of variety across Scotland for the size of Scotland that has brought such a big challenge to this programme. Yeah, it's a, it's a really fascinating logistical issue. Um, I don't know if you know this, Derek, but uh, in my previous life, I spent six months in 2010 rolling out vaccines across a couple of different countries in East Africa. And so it's been fascinating to see all of this, the detailed logistics of 
vaccine rollout, cold storage, you know, show up in sort of mainstream media, all of our consciousness. And um, and then hearing things like family members in the United States refreshing, you know, a, a U.S.-based uh, site 20 times at 3 a.m. in the morning trying to get a, you know, a vaccine appointment. I think, um, you know, I, I guess it must feel pretty meaningful to be doing the work that you're doing really at the center of, you know, one of the biggest global issues probably of our lifetime. Yeah, I, th- I think it is. It's, it's a difficult one working in, uh, working in any sort of crisis. Crisis normally brings probably a special opportunity to do things differently, you know, that you wouldn't do. What we have been keen to do, though, all the way through this is to make sure that uh, when we come at the pandemic, we've got a legacy of systems that we can keep using. That's been critical for me, that uh, data, contact tracing and uh, scheduling systems will things we'll use in the future. Yeah, building for today and uh, and for tomorrow. Yeah. Well, Derek, I have to share with you, we have an employee uh, with ServiceNow here in the Bay Area, and she's Scottish. She's from Fife, and uh, she has not seen her mom in over a year. Like everybody, she was quite concerned about her mom's health, and on Valentine's Day, her mom got the letter from NHS Scotland, got the appointment, and got vaccinated, and uh, is feeling much healthier and safer now, thanks to you and your team and your efforts. It does make it real, doesn't it? I think my wife talks about, uh, you know, not being not having a digital background or a or a security background, she she she's she's a veterinary surgeon, and as she says now, it's it's much easier for people to understand the role that I do and in effect how that role actually saves lives, which probably is not what I would use to describe what I do at the start of the pandemic, but uh, it's certainly included as to what I talk about now. You know, we've had uh, within the the four hundred staff that work for me directly. I, I you know we've had family members that. Uh, within these that have been impacted by COVID, some some fatally as well, unfortunately. So this is so important. It's the most important things that uh, any of us can ever have done in our lifetime. It does give you that drive to, I think, uh, push things and get them to a point where it's making that as big a difference as it can as quickly as possible. We still do get asked regularly questions from Scottish Government about can we go quicker? That's a regular cock question we ask. Can we go quicker? Can we accelerate what we're doing? And, uh, you know, the only way we can go quicker if somebody can find a, a magic vaccine supply somewhere or a magic fridge, you know, with a cold storage somewhere that all the all the, all the spare vaccines are, then we could potentially do that. But uh, other than that, uh, I think we've done everything we can, to be honest. So, Derek, you're organising so much data with these workflows. I mean... You're figuring out how to prioritize the most vulnerable through cohort identification, postal codes, other restrictions. What does that initial data gathering look like for your team? The first workflow starts from what we call our cohort identification. We're able to actually pull data at real term dependent on several variables. And then from there, what we do is we pull that into what's called a consumer table within the Now platform. Consumer table is very much like a holding space that uh, it lets us organise that data. It lets us check that data, provide that data to the, the health board so that they can validate it. It also means that we can use that data for things like modelling. So we're able to understand when we're setting up the vaccination clinics, how many clinics we need, how many vaccinators we need, if we break it down into the 10-minute appointment slots. What does that mean? How many appointments can we do per day, per clinic? So that that, mean, that allows us to do that modelling. Once we've done the modelling, we then set up the clinic locations within the Now platform itself. It's a, it's a very, very complex workflow. Uh, some other parts of the NHS have actually built some other systems that then speak to this platform. We've got... Uh, 
a vaccination management tool that uh, one of our sister organisations have built and that's used on a tablet. They use that at the time of vaccinating and it pulls the service now record in and then they can actually just check a few boxes, do some checks and uh, then the vaccine's actually administered and then it closes the loop and puts it back into that database with the uh, the vaccination record. Wow. In this podcast, we've been talking to a lot of different people about customer experience and, and how do you really be thoughtful about the the overall experience you deliver to your end user. And frankly, it almost seems a little bit funny to ask about this in the context of healthcare, because obviously the delivery of the vaccine um, and, the, and the functioning of the system is the most important thing. But it sounds like you have been thinking about the patient experience or the user experience as well as, as you've designed this entire system, because it is a very anxiety-inducing time for a lot of people. Yeah, we've got uh, probably the most basic level is, that we, as I say, we split it down into these cohort groups so that we can uh, prioritise who gets the vaccine first and what order they get the vaccine. But it also means that we can do some personalisation. We've got a particular group, which is the unpaid carers in society, and that's the group that... Uh, don't get recognised a lot of time. They maybe don't sit within one of these immediate priority groups, but uh, they play that uh, critical role, caring or looking after someone. It could be a family member, for example. So that's what we're looking to prioritise with this uh, this online portal. It goes live on Monday. So they'll be getting a, a tailored experience that uh, we've already run through uh, user groups, consumer groups, ethical groups. So we know when they come online that they will actually get... Uh, uh, the same sort of prioritisation that we would expect uh, if they were sitting within one of the standard cohort files. Users sit at the heart of everything. Derek, I'm curious. This is such a profound experience. Are there ways in which you see it changing you as a leader and changing your team? That's a good question. I mean, I, I think you do lead differently in a crisis. You optimise risk rather than probably mitigating risk. Crisis management helps you deliver things in a different way. You know, have, have I learned much about it? I think I've probably learned quite a lot about my team through doing this. You know, it's uh, I've only been in the NHS just over two years. So uh, after a year, we go into a pandemic. And uh, it's fair to say I probably didn't know the capabilities of the team. And uh, some of the questions I was getting asked from my uh, executive colleagues in the NSS when we started this was, you know, are some of these things a big risk? Should we be doing them, you know, reputationally? Should we be going forward to say, yes, we're the right people to be leading this piece of work? You know, should we should we decide that we're going to build this on a platform? Or could we? would it be better going out and speaking to some of the big consultancy organisations, KPMG, Deloitte, their IBM, etc., just to say, come and build one of these things, bring it to us and we'll use it. So uh, I think there's a confidence thing in that as well, backing yourself, backing the team when you're leading in a crisis to say that uh, let's do things quickly and uh, if we've got confidence that uh, we can do things in these spaces, I think to basically put your cards forward to say yes and then uh, back it and then push forward with everything you've got. The COVID workflow challenges are, are the most complex that we've ever undertaken. I think we've been very innovative in the use of the technologies as well. It's probably using technologies that people probably were, were a bit surprised about when we're talking about building workflow systems within the Now platform. I know when I had the initial conversations with the Scottish government around this is the way we want to go, you know, it was, it was crystal clear that uh, there, was, there was lots of questions coming back around, you know, isn't this uh, an IT system or isn't this a help desk system? But you're absolutely right. I, I always look on 
everything I do is breaking it down into simple workflow. We've built uh, things like PPE systems within within the new platform because it's just actually, again, managing data. What is the demand for PPE and uh, where can we get our PPE from? So uh, can we marry up supply and demand and make sure we manage it so that uh, the frontline doctors, nurses, consultants, etc., get that protective equipment that they need when they need it rather than actually waiting to do it again. Just a, just another workflow thing. So it's a, I think the world's probably full of lots of these little workflow challenges, to be honest, Alan, and uh, this just happens to be the one that uh, is topping them all at the moment. Well, it's such beautiful insight. One of the silver linings of any crisis is it inspires us to do things that we didn't think we could do. And that changes you as an individual forever and changes the culture of your team forever. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's... Everyone's done an amazing effort uh, against this pandemic, but uh, you do see some stars within the organisation that just absolutely step forward. And uh, it's been fascinating for some people that I haven't worked with before that I just see in a totally different way now. I think everyone should be looking to come out and say, I'm, I'm a better person because of it. I've got a more focused, uh, outcome-driven slant on life because of it. Terrific insight. And more broadly speaking, are, are you and other leaders starting to think about how technology can more broadly change healthcare in Scotland longer term? Well, I certainly am. I mean, it's, I, I always look a good 12 to 18 months forward to say, where do we want to be with things? It'd be great to have some proof of concepts around the portal we're building as, as in portal is to potentially becoming this front door into health information so that citizens in Scotland can actually log on and actually collaborate with their practitioners, collaborate around appointments, uh, getting test results, seeing the medical records, updating things. It'd be great to think that this is, this is a legacy that we've delivered much more than a scheduling system, something that I think is, uh, is going to be a real-time digital collaboration channel into your health records. That's ideally where we want to be. I'm curious, uh, somebody in your role, are you getting a lot of calls from your peer group and other countries and other organizations? Or is there a lot of sharing going on right now of how are you doing this? How are you making it work? There's certainly sharing within the what we call the home nations in the UK. You know, absolutely, we've got regular uh, catch-ups with counterparts around what we're doing, what some of the systems are, uh, how we're tackling things. We've not all gone the same way, it's fair to say. I don't think it's been particularly collaborative internationally. Uh, I think that's definitely been a challenge when we move into looking at things like, for, for example, vaccination passports so that it's allowing you to travel based on your vaccination record. That's going to have to have a lot more international participation. I think, you know, if we're all going to have to trust uh, everyone else's data, everyone else's smartphone applications as to how we do that, I think that's uh, I think that's a potential minefield that without the right level of uh, international collaboration that uh, I'm not quite sure how we join all, the, all that up. But uh, yeah, lots of domestic collaboration. Uh, I don't think enough international. I do think that this is now all going to be about joining data up or joining workflows up. It's uh, I think that's where the next big thing is going to be, to be honest. It is going to be all about uh, standards, integration, interfaces. I think that's where I see this all going. Yeah, it, it's really startling to me how just over a year ago, we could not fathom this future that we're living in. And now to look ahead and, and see this range of possibilities and how we approach problem solving, what's going to change? I mean, Derek, when you were a kid, did you think that this sort of big picture problem solving was going to be in your future? 
Yeah, problem solving. Probably I've always enjoyed problems and challenges. It's uh, as as a youngster, I I did enjoy technologies. Uh, you know that stemmed from probably playing a lot of the the early video games that uh, are the precursors to what's now the the big consoles that uh, that people play in these days. That were all you had to get your hands dirty quite a lot into coding and programming in order to actually start to do some of these things. So I, I was I would say I was always quite scientific sort of background. I enjoyed understanding the science of problems, what these things actually meant. These things had to be quite, uh, I think, tangible r- rather than uh, run theoretical. And I think that's the type of person I always was. Uh, I was never sure where I was going to go into as uh, as a career when I left school. It was, uh, I started off uh, thinking about perhaps uh, accountancy or something, you know, something that was uh, very numeric based was the right way to go. But uh, Ended up uh, leaving university, doing uh, joint accountancy and computer science, and then falling into that uh, that computer science point of view is, is what I did. But uh, yeah, just th- this role's very much just fallen into place. I've never thought about going and working in healthcare, for example. Uh, where to go with this next? Uh, I'll need to wait and see. But uh, at the moment, uh, I'm certainly enjoying it. Well, I think I, I think say. you I think you ended up in the right job at the right time, Derek. <laughs> yeah, do, do you know, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else at the moment. Uh, absolutely not. You know, I'm always one that uh, that never does say that. Uh, you know, a job for me is probably never for life. I, I do quite like to to get changes and different challenges. So I quite I do quite enjoy working across different types of sectors and different types of organisations. It keeps me uh, keeps me quite sharp, and uh, the challenge is always fresh. But uh, yeah, I must admit, I'm definitely in the right place at the right time. Well, right place and right time indeed. Uh, Derek, you have given us quite a lot to think about. Thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you very much. been an absolute pleasure. Love telling the story of what we've been doing around COVID response. As I say, it's uh, it's an exciting time, even though we're delivering these things in a pandemic. So uh, yeah, it's absolutely my pleasure. Derek, when you finish up in Scotland, we may need your help here in the U.S., I was going to say, <laughs> come save us. <laughs> come save us. Great to talk with you. And to wrap up today, now it's time for our final segment. Dream Big with ServiceNow CEO, Bill McDermott. Bill, great to have you here. Thank you, Alan. Wonderful to be here. Bill, you know, rightfully so, there's been so much attention over the past year on developing the vaccine for COVID. But what people weren't thinking about was how you actually convert vaccines into vaccinations. Absolutely, Alan. Uh, Clearly, um, COVID presented the world with one of its biggest challenges. And I've always believed that the world's biggest challenges are also its biggest opportunities. And COVID represented the single greatest workflow challenge of this generation. No question. And NHS Scotland is such a vivid illustration of the need for workflows to address new business challenges. And with our platform, the NOW platform, they were able to deploy vaccine management in weeks, not months. Can you talk about the importance of speed and time to value? It's everything. I mean, today, the two you know, hyper trends for speed are moving uh, various operational items to the cloud and gaining the cloud efficiency, but also truly revolutionizing, improving the applications in an enterprise, modernizing those applications. And what we find with the Now platform is, of course, it's in the cloud. And in terms of modernizing the applications, 
We're connecting everything from the IT systems to the employee experience systems to the customer experience systems. And we're also providing a platform where code can be navigated very quickly on a low code or a no code basis to create new applications to solve difficult challenges like vaccine management, as an example. And the big difference between ServiceNow and most every other enterprise software company is we solve problems in hours and days, sometimes weeks, not long, arduous months and years. So it is really the time to value equation that differentiates us. No question. And Derek talks about how the experience is actually prompting them to rethink healthcare longer term and how they deliver healthcare and deliver great experiences to Scottish citizens. I know you see examples all over the world of how once people start understanding the power of workflow to deliver great experiences, it does lead to continuous innovation. It really does. I mean, you look at the cost of healthcare as a percent of GDP in the world, and you know it's not sustainable. And if you don't change the process or the workflow, it'll only get worse. So we have to take learnings from COVID, whether it's in the corporate environment or the healthcare environment or any other industry, and truly recognize that we just can't do what we always did. Because if you always do what you always did, you'll always get what you always got. And that's not good enough. It's time for change. And of course, in the example of NHS Scotland, nothing is more important than making people feel healthy and safe. And it was the experience that delivered that confidence. And when you think about that from a C-suite perspective in the business world, it is all about customer loyalty and employee engagement and creating the experiences that matter to drive that loyalty and drive that engagement. 100%, Alan. And it's the moments that matter. You know, there are certain moments that really matter. The response to COVID and getting people their vaccination is a moment that really mattered. You know, governments that automate that value chain well, where the citizens felt very well cared for, will fare a lot better than the ones that didn't feel well led and well served by their public officials. Well, thanks, Bill. It's always great to spend a few moments dreaming big with you. So until the next time, let's work flow it. Thank you very much, Alan. Join us next time as we uncover how business leaders are innovating to make work work better. Let's Workflow It together. Let's Workflow It is a production of ServiceNow and Slate Studios. You can find out more about Derek Mitchelson and the other guests in the series at slate.com slash let's workflow it. <laughs>